Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur by experienced managed service providers. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. Uh, we are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenlink Networks, which is a voice over IP uh, channel only uh, based out of Dallas as well. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I, I wanted to do this podcast was because visiting a lot of these events, I, I realized that a lot of the MSPs that were starting up were struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues that, that we experienced. So wanting to take that pain away from some of the new guys, they decided to go with this podcast. My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with, well, I think, a total of three employees, and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop. We're located in South Central Indiana, servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us and also hopefully helping others along the way. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're currently about a dozen employees. We're an MSP. We were originally founded in 1999. I truly believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help me and, and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share with me their mind share on, on how to overcome issues. So I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago and many years in the working and here we are. So we hope that you really get a lot out of this podcast and learn the things that I wish somebody would have told me. Follow, like, and subscribe at IT4Whiskey.com. Now here's your hosts, Myron, Joe, and Craig. Welcome back to another episode of IT for Whiskey. I'm here with my buddies, Myron and Joe. What? What's up? So boys, as you know, it's now 2019. We've got another year ahead of us. So I think it'd be a good time for us to talk a little bit about what are our plans for 2019 for our companies? What do you think you might institute with your companies? And I don't know, I'm kind of spitballing here. What are you, how are you going to go about doing it? Great topic. Yeah, for sure. For the record, this is all confidential between us and you, our listener, and cannot publish this. <laughs> you can't share it outside the podcast. You can't share it outside of the podcast? Absolutely not. I don't think that's possible. Just kidding, of course. We're hitting the ground running for 2019. At the end of last year, we got some new accounts that will require a lot of onboarding on the MSP side for us, bringing some new staff and things like that. I think uh, from a vendor's perspective, I'm going to look at potentially working with PAX 8 which we had not done before. I had a good conversation with them at NextGen, and I may be moving my Sherwood business to PAX 8. Dum, dum, dum. So my, my question, Myron, to you about that is that if you're going to be doing that, how are you going to be handling your migrations? There is no migration. PAX 8 handles the migration part. It's actually a link. They click the button. They take over the business. So Pax8 handles the migrations as well. Sorry, you mean migrating from SureWeb to Pax8 or onboarding customers? Let me let me back up. Let me back up. Let me clarify my question, Myron. With you moving to Pax8, who's going to be handling taking your clients? 
let's say, hosted exchange or exchange servers in-house to the cloud? How is that going to be handled? I got people on staff that can potentially do that. And we, we bill our customers anyway. SureWeb have, has done a good job in the past, but I'm losing points on a monthly basis using SureWeb and their pricing is much higher. Mind I ask what your discount level is? I'll rephrase the question. What's the delta between SureWeb and Pax8? I'll have to show you. Really? You should share with our listeners the 3% more you're going to make. <laughs> I don't know it off the top of my head, so I'd have to. I'm just, I'm just pulling your leg. It's, it, it's, you know, I know every reseller is different. They give well, different. Well, here's the thing. Uh, there's a couple of things that, that I liked about Pax8 and what they do. Integrates with ConnectWise. ShareWeb's launching that in February. You know what? That That's cool, but it's not a make it or break it. What's cool about them is that they would be keeping us in the loop about the program's spiffs that Microsoft has that we can take oh, advantage yeah. of. Oh, yes. Yeah, nobody's telling you anything about that right now. Nobody's right. telling me anything else. They're probably taking them themselves. Uh, I think it might be your account manager because mine does a good job of doing that. Mine does not do anything for me. Art does not do anything for me either. So that's why we have to move away. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm really sorry to hear that because I, I, maybe I just have a really great rep. They tell us about all the spiffs. We have an MDF program with them. We do co-funded campaigns with them, marketing campaigns. We do a lot of stuff and they're very proactive with us. You have to also you know, understand you, you have a lot more Office 365 accounts than maybe some of us. And that may give you a little bit of an edge from that standpoint. That's probably what's happening. And then there are other there are other vendors that I would probably use through Pax8 as well that may be a lot easier. Yeah, possibly. I mean, we do do a lot of Office 365. I will give you that. SureWeb, I have no complaints about them. Their migration services are great. Their customer support is good. They white glove a lot of the services that they don't charge for. And I think it's fantastic. Yes, they do charge a premium. I agree. But the way I look at it is my short-term cost with them, it's much more affordable because I can still potentially charge some smaller customers an onboarding fee per mailbox, but it doesn't cost me any. Larger ones, different competitive situations, etc. However, the one drawback I will say about SureWeb, and I've told them this as well, is that they're a one-pony shop. They're starting to come out with hosted UC and they're coming out with different products, but they're homegrown products that they develop themselves. And I've told them they should really be looking at becoming more of a of a, a SaaS broadline type distributor like Pax8 because it would be there'd be a lot more value punch that they can give to their customers and they're sticking to their business model and I, I respect that. I, again, they're really good at what they do and it's possibly because they do one thing and one thing only. Pax8, I will say, does have a much bigger portfolio. So there, there's a couple of things. There was this one Canadian guy that told me once that Canadians prefer to work with Canadian companies rather than American companies. Who said that? I took that to heart, and I'd rather work with an American company than a Canadian. Who told you that? That guy's an idiot. Joe, that's another reason why I want to use Pax8. The other piece is that SureWeb is barely at any events. Never see them, never around, never in the channel, whereas Pax8 is very channel focused. I will agree with you. Again, their business model, right? 100%. Their business model is for the channel, and I'm a strong believer of the channel, so I have to support those that are that way. They do have um, a conference that they do every year, and I haven't attended it because, quite honestly, it's ridiculously expensive for me to go and listen to their pitch, which I don't understand. I don't get any manufacturer or distributor that charges you a fee to go listen to their pitch and drink their Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah. Connect with I, I have a hard time with that. So, boys, you know, it's really um, inexpensive and cheap to go see is, is this nice fine whiskey that we're drinking. Yo. Mm. I will say that 
I have this at home. I enjoy it on a regular basis, and it is a very fine whiskey. Craig, do you want to tell us a little bit about it since how you know more than we do? Actually, I really don't know anything about the Downmore 12. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, you're awesome, buddy. Thank you. So I, the, the first time I drank Downmore, uh, you guys were talking about it. I don't know if it was in a podcast or just in our regular calls. Um, you mentioned the cigar malt. That's a really good. I do like the cigar malt. And I had bought a bottle. I have a bottle at home. Special occasions, I take a sip of that because it's not cheap. I have two bottles of the Downmore. Yeah, yeah of course you do. Well, you got there's two. That's it. You usually have three or three or more. No. Well, there's one on the shelf and one to drink. Oh, there you go. Last year, I went to Argentina and the place that I was at with my friend did not have a lot of good whiskey, but they did have the Dalmore 12. That was the first time I tried it there, and it was good. Had a good time and having it now again. So I will say, if you want to know a little bit about the background about Dalmore 12, I think our listeners would like to know. What I, I find really nice about whiskeys like the Dalmore 12 is this. Educate us. They have a process that is unique to this very specific bottle. And the process, and this is where I get really into this stuff, is the process is simple. They take the first nine years and they age them in American white oak, ex-Burman casks. Keep going, buddy. You're doing a great job. Final three years, they take half of it and they transfer to ex Oloroso sherry casks and they age the half of it in these sherry casks and then they mix them back in at the end of 12 years. That's pretty cool. It's a really complex process and you can process. Process my process. Process. <laughs> yeah, I'll pro- tomato, tomato. So the really nice thing is, is that whole process. Ooh. Can't be taught. What happened? <laughs> Can't do it. So I have to tell you this, guys. I do like this drink. It is smooth. There is no edge to it that I can tell. No afterburn either. I noticed that you boys are drinking, obviously, with ice. I am not. To the listeners, I recommend that you try it without ice first or water, distilled water, and uh, see how it is. Let it breathe for just a little bit before you drink it. It is a pretty good bottle. Now, I think that um, we probably overpaid for the bottle that we're partaking in. Oh, yeah. By the way, we're all together. Once again. Yeah, we like it together whenever we can. So cheers, everybody. Salute. Salute. Cheers. Chin chin. To uh, 2019. So going back onto the topic, I know we got kind of a tangent there, um, comparing two different entities together, and everybody's got their pros and cons. I have not really made a decision on that direction yet as to what I'm going to do, mostly because of time. It's very busy coming at the beginning of the year. New technologies. It's kind of hard to decide because you know what? Because you know, that's why we, the three of us together, uh, work off of each other when it comes to deciding which direction of things. Because we typically adopt similar concepts when it comes to purchasing new. Uh, one thing I'm looking at is possibly moving some things to Veeam. I'm looking at that as a possible replacement for some of the storage craft. And then uh, looking at other disaster recovery and Office 365 backup solutions that actually work. It seems like a lot of people have 365 backup, but a lot of it's in beta. Are you talking about somebody specific or? Well, I know the storage craft product is definitely not flushed out. I know that for certain. No, that, that's not. Well, I will tell you Veeam works phenomenal for it. It does work really well. The Veeam product does require an on-prem storage solution, whereas the storage graph is purely cloud-based. There's nothing local. Cloud to cloud? Cloud to cloud. Hmm. Well, I'm using StorageCraft now, and I'm not disappointed with their product. I'm disappointed with their support over the last two years, and their pricing is really expensive, the way that we present it. So I am considering other solutions. Veeam is one. Ricky, everybody knows Ricky, has talked about CloudBerry, so I'd like to look at that. A tools talked about another one. 
Infrascale. Infrascale, yeah, that's right. But that's something that this year we will be looking at because if I can if I can continue to offer the same solution or a better solution and cut my costs, that's obviously something I want to do. Saving money is obviously important, but something that you know that works is reputable, has support, and anytime you need the data, it's there. Yeah, I mean, StorageCraft has checked... All, almost all those boxes, but I feel it's, it's overly priced compared to others and the support is lacking. The backups have always worked. The offsite replication has always worked. Um, we send it to our own data center. It's just the support side. When we do have questions or we do have an issue, they, they, they're they lacking. My issue with StorageCraft support is uh, the times that we do have an issue and we get in there, and let's say it's after hours or weekend, they will only escalate it if it is a actual data loss concern. If it's just a question or a problem, they won't help you to the next business. Yeah. I mean, and they're big enough where they should be 24 seven, honestly, um, in my opinion. And then to get to 24 seven, you have to pay extra for that. Another reason, again, making it more expensive. Somebody may be saying, well, if you want that kind of support with someone else, you probably have to pay. Maybe. I don't know. I have to do the research, but it is something that we spend quite a lot of money on storage craft right now. And it's, it's a significant uh, savings uh, looking at any of the other players I just mentioned. It's interesting. And I think for Infos, Infoscale? Infoscale. You have to use Veeam for them. Yes. So that's the one thing. And and I will tell you that we're really happy with Veeam. We're, we've been a CSP partner now for, I think it's one of two or three years. It works. The same applies to storage craft. You're going to have to have an appliance of some now, you're right. You need an appliance on-premise. On, on However, the way we've done it, though, that's really cool, for us at least, is all of our managed service customers, all of them, 100% of them, I have an appliance on-site. Now, it's not the customer's equipment. It's ours. And it's either typically a Lenovo server, like a 1U pizza box, or we have the HP Cube little servers. Both are same price point. One, uh, the HP Cube, I can't remember the name of it, but the little, it looks like a small cube box. In a little box. Why we like that is the noise level. It's really quiet. So that's great for like law firms, smaller law firms, doctors' offices, and, and things of the sort. We have we had one customer that was a sleep clinic, and he was always complaining about our Lenovo being server being a little too loud because it was sitting on the reception desk. So we that's why we found these HP boxes work great. So what I will say is I already have a device on site. So what we do is I'll throw an extra hard drive in or two and call it a day. Ten terabyte drives nowadays are like three hundred bucks. Right, three, four hundred bucks. How expensive is it to do the replication on prem? It's not. It's very inexpensive. You know, and our our model is really simple. We do, as I've told you guys, depending on the size of the customer and the size of storage, you can get as cheap as twenty five cents per gig and twenty five dollars per server per month. We do the similar. We have the on-prem device that we that we provide to the customer for free um, or part of the service. Typically, we grab a desktop, some kind of desktop, uh, depending on the customer site. Obviously, if it's a larger site that has multiple servers, then at that point, we we'll, we maybe will drop a, a, a server. Uh, if we need extra storage, uh, we will use uh, Synology or something uh, similar. And our pricing is about $100 a server and about 25 to 50 cents a, a gig, depending on whether they are uh, below or above five, 500 gig. And it's it's been very successful for us. We, we do we do a lot of backup. So to us, it's, it's a big deal to be able to have the support that we need for it to function correctly and for it to be inexpensive as possible. For 2019, what new technologies are, is anybody excited about? Potentially is new, because we heard back at the, at the last show, some new things that were coming 
down the pipeline. Seemed to be the most popular was the like the know before solutions of educating and testing a client's users of them opening and potentially infecting their their networks and teaching them. So I will say for us, we are really excited about security. I see a huge opportunity in security and we are looking at all the different security vendors to determine who we want to work with. Now, not to say there's only one or two, we're looking at them all to build out a very robust security offering. To a certain degree, I can say, yes, we are an MSSP as well. We do have a lot of great security products we've been offering for probably better part of 10 years, and it's been a core of our business. We've never defined it as such, but it has been. And I'm really excited about different security offerings. We, in 2018, we signed up with ID Agent. It has been a great great success for us. We're making great money with them. And we signed up with a few other security vendors of that like, and we've made money on every single one of them, which is great for us. But more importantly, it has really provided value and helped our customers. So we're really focused on trying to figure out how to keep our customers safe in everything they do, be it in the cloud, be it in on-prem, when they're roaming, mobile, the whole nine yards. And we're really trying to bring together a very simple and effective solution. You know, it's was, it was funny. I was, I was talking to somebody recently about this and they were, you know, telling me about their pain points uh, as a customer, as a company, they have to do something as simple as encrypting their email. And because of HIPAA requirements, they need to have their email encrypted. Oh my gosh, to train my my secretaries and to train my assistants on how to hit this button and do this and do that. And, blah, blah. and I said, well, take a step back. It's not that hard. If you do it properly, it can be painless. And can, well, how? I, I don't care what it would cost. You know, I would just do it right away. And so I positioned, I said, hey, you know, I know we don't do business today. We're, we're, we're friends, but, you know, I can help you. And it'll cost you seven bucks a mailbox a month. And it'll be fully compliant. And it'll even give you anti-spam scrubbing, the whole nine yards, and it'll be fully encrypted. He said, $7 a month per user, that's it? I was expecting to be so much. I said, well, it's not. And it's completely in the background. So that's the type of thing that excites me because we we deployed this for him within 24 hours. It, it went up so fast. It plugs right into 365 and they're happy. And the big thing is user adaptation. So for us, security is a big push. We're really excited about it and, and helping our customers maintain a more secure environment. And that's where, you know, with... The advent of our, our latest data center going online and the advent of our, uh, you know, some of the other growths that we have and, and other efforts we have. I just need to keep the stuff completely secure. So that's that's our that's our stick. I would say that one of the things that excite me the most about this year is some of the new features that are coming out for GreenLink. Some new technology we're, we're implementing uh, two-way SMS or have implemented two-way SMS um, inbound uh, outbound faxing, which is something that we didn't have before, as well as the ability to register multiple devices to the one extension, which will give us the ability to have the the mobility suite in place uh, with the soft phones and all that good good stuff. Those are some of the cool things that are coming out. Apart from that, there's some interfaces or integrations with Salesforce and Zoho that are also coming in the next couple of months. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. The the, the new technology on the GreenLink side on Cinetech, it's it's the growth. Uh, um, not that there's no growth on the GreenLink side, but the growth on Cinetech, it's... Uh, it's really going to be growing a lot this year. We have uh, already a bunch of onboardings in place and uh, the year is just getting started. So it's going to be a fun one. 
Well, other than uh, us coming out with some new type of laser, that's about it. Laser? As long as as long as they can put on my shark. <laughs> yes, lasers, and then um, the potential of the uh, Pro Blue uh, Cinetech uh, Infinite IT whiskey that uh, that I would love to come out with. That might be good. That sounds like a new technology. Hey, down. You just. Just drop. You just drop. You just drop the seed. Absolutely. You just drop that seed. We we didn't. We said we weren't going to talk about that. That was available. But now that you mention it, oh, we talked about it. We talked about it on a podcast last year. So the, the only thing that, that ProBlue has going on that's kind of new is we do have a new tool that allows our customers to uh, use with their employees to submit and open their own tickets. So that's something that we're rolling out to where the employee or the client has a an aggregator that kind of controls the tickets. So that way, instead of uh, the employees contact contacting us direct. They can open a ticket in-house. It goes to the aggregator person who decides it, and then they can then pass it on to us or take care of it in-house. So that that was something that was developed. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's very different than, than our model, but it's it's very interesting how that goes. Because, yeah, because I know everybody's got a different model of how a lot of the employees call unlimited, but uh, there's some people that want to control and limit the cash flow. So they... We, and we have customers that want that exact same thing. And how we do it is we just restrict who has authorization, this, which this can be done. Like an approval process. This, this would require it to go through essential points so nobody can contact unless they go through the tool. And the tool is accessible from any device. Pretty cool. Oh, that's really interesting. It is agnostic. It doesn't matter what it is. Our customers are all on unlimited. So that's pretty cool. we actually encourage them to tell their users to call us directly or contact us directly because there is no difference in cost. So it's a little bit of a different amount. Model, but I can see the, the the value of that. You know what we did last year, actually, that has had such a huge, huge impact on customer satisfaction? Whiskey. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although whiskey is fantastic for most, but I went on Amazon. I bought a $70 laminator. Okay. I made this document in Word. I did this all myself in a matter of minutes. Word is a magical tool. It is magical. And so... In this document, it literally has pictures of the core people, their face, with their contact information. And it explains how do you get support. And so when we onboard our MSP customers that have helped us and whatnot, I literally print out a copy on our office laser printer. I laminate the thing. Laser printers, what I was talking about. Lasers earlier. Right? Exactly. Lasers are everything. So I, I print it out. I laminate it. And when we do the onboarding, I send a technician there because we like to do that for White Glove. And he literally will take that laminate and put it on their their desk and put it to their like tape it to their wall do you know the difference of customer satisfaction from something so simple it's a dumb thing it's a printed laminate we're talking about 1970s technology it's not mind mind blowing or brain surgery or anything of that nature but such a simple thing that the comfort that people have had saying, when I have a problem I look at this paper I know who I'm talking to I see their face okay granted not the people I helped us, but they know who their account manager is. They knew who their finance manager is. They know who the service manager is and, and they see the people's faces. So it actually gives a personal touch to it. Do they, do they all call you Joe? Cause that sexy face. No, <laughs> that's why they don't call me. But what I'm saying, my point to you is, you know, we measure our stats and our KPIs and uh, from the staff and we measure the feedback and whatnot. And customers have said that that was the single biggest impact to their comfort level of dealing with us. Uh, that's, a little, that's a little too high tech for me. So we, we do something similar, a little less high tech, uh, no laminating. On the onboarding process, we have business cards made. Phoenix Express and business cards. One side has got our logo. Other side has... 
the way the employees can reach us. We, we do the same thing. And we, we pass it around. We give it to every, you know, we give them a stack of whatever number of. So what you pay for the business cards is what I'm paying for these laminates. It cost me 40 cents a laminate. Okay. But I don't think I'm really worried about the cost of the business card. Yeah, I'm not worried about the cost. But it's, it's a figure of speech. So, but the difference though is I, I can put a lot more information on an eight and a half by 11 than a business card. Yeah. Okay, great. I can stick your entire eight by 11 on a business card. It's just really hard to read. <laughs> Funny. You know what? I will say this. 2019, new year, new adventure. Every year is different from the it's a big year because as you guys know it's the end of windows 7 it's going to be the end of server 2008 so all that's going to be coming up before 2020 i can't wait till office 2010 is dead yay uh yeah that's true that's true i can't wait i can't wait that's right too many customers on it still and it's causing problems all right well you know i appreciate my buds here yeah all right, guys, like, follow, subscribe, tell your friends, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and any other social media, LinkedIn. That's right. LinkedIn. And, um, and don't forget if your friends don't listen to you, to us on Spotify, tell them you can get on iTunes as well, or Google play or wherever else they like to listen. MySpace. MySpace. <laughs> We're coming on MySpace pretty soon. <laughs> I hear they have a comeback. Well, you know, they leaked all those passwords. They got to do something. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Take it away, Kev. Yo, yo. That's all for this episode of IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at it4whiskey.com. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, guys. It's Wiki Wiki. My bottle doesn't squeak anymore. I am the destroyer. You could have stopped recording a long time ago.